the Abraham saga is one of the most fascinating and intriguing stories in the Old Testament. Abraham comes from Ur of the Chaldeans, present-day Iraq, also known as Mesopotamia. He lived in the fertile crescent between the Tigris and the Euphrates. And at that time, the father journeyed from Ur and intended to go to Cana. Unfortunately, when Tara reached Haran, he and his family decided to stay there. You know, we might have aspirations, we might have ambitions, we might have plans, but at times, when we begin to achieve those goals, we settle with the least that we have been able to attain and therefore we are not able to move forward. And that is the story of Terah, the father of Abraham. He became comfortable in Haran and therefore aborted the journey to Canaan. So it could be said that God asked Abraham to continue the family journey. And so the Lord called Abraham to leave his father's country and his kinsmen. Those who have become comfortable in the midway at Haran to be left behind so that Abraham could focus on his new journey. The Lord is calling him to the land that he, the Lord, would show him. Abraham did not know the Lord at the time because he was from Mesopotamia. And when he was called, there was a promise attached to the call. Abraham was promised of a land. He was promised of a progeny, numerous as the sand on the seashore. And he was promised a blessing and also a blessing to those who bless him, a protection and security from the Lord. But at that time, Abraham was 75 years and we are told from the beginning that his wife Sarai was barren. The first woman to be pronounced barren in the Bible. But although Abraham did not know the God who called him, he by faith left and headed on the mission. One will say that Abraham went because of the promises that were attached to the mission. But whatever the case may be, Abraham heeded the call of God. But when he arrived on the land, we are told that at that time the Canaanites were living in the land. But the Lord called upon Abraham, this is the land that I'm going to give you. So there was a conflict at that time. If the Lord is saying that this is the land I'm going to give you, and there are people who were already inhabiting the land, how could that be possible? And so immediately, the faith of Abraham became challenged. And secondly, the wife was barren. How could the wife 
became the mother of the covenant. How could Sarai, the barren woman, give birth to that numerous descendants for Abraham? So in that circumstance, Abraham began to, you know, wonder whether that was the right move. Then he entered the land, passed through the land as far as the sacred place of Shechem by the terebinth of More in Genesis 12, verse 6. And we are told that Abraham built an altar at Shechem to the Lord who had appeared to him, to the Lord who had assured him. But you know, altars are built for sacrifice. But nothing was done at this altar. He moves on to the hill country east of Bethel and built a second altar. And at this second altar, he invokes the name of the Lord. Yet no sacrifice there. Then he journeyed in stages to the south, the Negev. And then he builds a third altar. But Abraham had a lot of animals. But he could not sacrifice even one of them on any of the three altars. The story portrays the fact that although the Lord had assured Abraham that that's the land that he is given him, Abraham became a fugitive on his own land. And that is why he kept on restlessly moving around and building altars without performing any sacrifice. And it's not surprising that in the next chapter, we are told from the beginning that and there was famine on the land. A symbol of the absence of faith and the lack of presence to one of God to one on the land. And if the Lord had sent you to the land, and if the Lord had promised you that land is for you, and there is famine, why did Abraham not seek recourse with God for the providence of God? But instead, he decided to move to Egypt, Misraim which is also at that time a symbol of what the world had to offer as opposed to what God had to offer. And when you come into our world, you survive or thrive through, you know, falsehood and deception. And so Abraham, for the first time, thrived on falsehood by saying that Sarai, the vessel of the covenant, is the sister and not the wife. But look at it. People argue that, yes, it's true that Sarai was a cousin. Yes, indeed. But anytime the writer of the story mentions Sarah, he mentions her as the wife of Abraham and not the cousin or sister of Abraham. And so Pharaoh took Sarah to her, his quarters and had it not been the intervention of the Lord, definitely Pharaoh could have taken Sarah to be his wife and what would have become the covenant. And the next morning, 
Pharaoh sent Abraham and his wife away. Why did you not tell me he is your wife? Why did you say he is your sister? And Abraham came back from Egypt richer than before. When we thrive on falsehood and deception, we become rich in our world. And that is what the world has to offer. But would that be what the Lord expects of us? That was not what the Lord expected of Abraham. Abraham's mentality, at least, this woman is barren. So what is he good for in that culture? And if you look at the story, when Abraham came, the Lord said to him, this is the land. And Abraham said, how beneficial would this land be for me since I have no child? And the Lord said, look at the stars of the heavens. Your descendants will be as numerous as that. And Abraham says, how do I know that? So the Lord says that bring a two-year-old heifer and bring those birds and animals and slash that into two, put them halves side by side. And when Abraham had done that, the birds of the sky were snooping on the carcasses of these animals. And Abraham was busy driving away these birds. But then a deep trance fell upon him. And Abraham could not protect the animals for the sacrifice. And it was only when Abraham was asleep that the Lord passed through the halves. The Lord rather committed himself to the covenant and not Abraham. In the ancient Near East, when such covenants were made, when the animal is split into two and put side by side of the halves, the two parties contracting the covenant will pass through the halves. And once they are done, the covenant is sealed. The symbolism is that if any of the two parties fail to do his or her part of the covenant, he or she will be treated like those animals. So it was a serious business. And that is why to make a covenant, the Hebrews say to cut a covenant. Karat, berit. So here... It was the Lord who committed himself to fulfill the covenant. And he did so when Abraham could no longer protect the carcasses. So indeed, it's saying that the fulfillment of the covenant between God and Abraham does not depend on the fidelity of Abraham. But it depended on the fidelity of God who is going to honor his part of the covenant. But unfortunately, in the next chapter, chapter 16, Abraham listens to the wife Sarai and takes the maid, Haggai, and gave birth to Ishmael. And he pleased with the Lord that Haggai's son, Ishmael, should be the heir. And the Lord said, no, I will bless him. I will make him numerous. But your wife, Sarai, will be the one who will fulfill the covenantal promise to you. Abraham laughed 
he knew that is impossible. But then the Lord said, make a covenant. And that is the reading of today. Make a covenant by circumcising every male child who is eight days old within your family as an expression of my covenant so that my covenant will remain in you. Interestingly, when we look at all these, we see this chapter 17 account of this new covenant from the priestly version of the covenant recorded already in chapter 15. And it repeats the promise of children and the land. Circumcision was to be a sign of the covenant. And it will be a sign of God's care of his covenant partner. And a sign of the circumcised man's acceptance of the divine plan. And if it is a P writer, then it means that during the time of the Babylonian exile, around 587 to 539, 9 BC, circumcision was to become a mark that distinguished the Jews from their pagan neighbors in Babylon. But one thing I want us to think about is circumcision is taking the foreskin of the man's sexual organ, apparently the same organ that Abraham used in begetting a child with Haggai. So anytime that Abraham sees his circumcision, it will remind him of God's covenant and the providence of God, and not he himself in his own way trying to make sure that a covenant works. It is God who fulfills the covenant and not Abraham, who fulfills the covenant. But throughout the saga, the child had become a conditio sine qua non for the fulfillment of God's promise. And we at times behave like Abraham. You know, when we set certain things, you know, in sight, we want the Lord to conform to our timetable. We want the Lord to conform to uh, what we envision. And because of that, we become blinded to what the Lord is doing in our lives. And when Bob Marley says, when one door is closed, many more are open. When we become fixated on one goal, the other opportunities available are missed. God was working something special in the life of Abraham. Abraham was fixated on the child Ishmael. And so when Isaac was born to Sarah, the Lord asked him, Abraham, Abraham, and Abraham said, ready, Lord. He said, if you are ready, take the son, the child whom you have made a condition without which my covenant could not be fulfilled and go and sacrifice him at Moriah. Moriah. And Abraham did as the Lord said. That is where the faith of Abraham became consolidated. Abraham's story could be our story. 
when we decide to embark on a journey or a vocation, we will go with all enthusiasm and we move with faith. But then when we meet the challenges of our expedition, we wither and we lose faith. But the Lord does not abandon us. The Lord steers us. He works within us. He directs us, making sure that his wish for us is fulfilled. But when we heed to the call of God, we are transformed by his grace and we become consolidated in our faith journey. And that is the only way that we get the success that we need, the achievement of our final goal. Beloved, no matter the ambitious plan you have, no matter the goals you have set for yourselves, and I believe that most of us set New Year resolutionary goals for ourselves, what we wanted to achieve. We are halfway through the year. Are we making those achievements? Are we getting closer to what we put in place as our resolution and goals for our new year? Probably we need to reorientate ourselves and begin all over again. But do not give up even if you have not made any significant progress. Don't be a quitter. When you start something, put your effort, put your life, put, 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 put all your experiences, expertise, resources into it. Especially if it's a genuine kind of things that you set before you. The Lord's graces are always there. Listen to the Lord speak to you. Listen to the Lord steering you and moving you to that direction. And, and you follow the lead of God. Like Abraham, the promise will be fulfilled. Like Abraham, the goal will be achieved. May the Holy Spirit strengthen us and help us in whatever resolution and goals that we have set. Coupling with the dint of hard work and zeal, may we be able to achieve that in Jesus' name. Amen.